Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode number 119 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, and as always, I want to thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. We are there. And while you're there, if you could take a second to give us some star power and a written review, it helps get our name out there and be able to reach more people. Before we get started, I want to let you guys know that the Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Sports are back in full swing, and our friends at Bet Online have you covered. So take advantage and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And if you want to play from the comfort of your own home, you can also do that at online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, betonline, your online sportsbook experts. On today's show, we are going to hear the rise and fall to another rise of former Arkansas fullback Mark Pierce. For most seasons in the early 2000s, Arkansas teams led by Coach Houston Nutt were consistently at or near the top for rushing yards in the SEC. Over the years, fans remember running backs such as Alex Collins, Jonathan Williams, Niall Davis, Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, who of course was primarily a fullback, but before Hillis, there was Mark Pierce, a bruising, unapologetic, talented player who was the number one fullback heading into the 2003 season. He also assisted in helping Matt Jones, Cedric Cobbs, and Fred Talley achieve 1,000-yard seasons during their career. But his Razorback career came to an abrupt end before the end of his junior year, and he later ended up spending nine and a half years in prison for multiple convictions. Here is the story of redemption for former Razorback Mark Pierce. So, Mark, we'll get started with uh, talking about your gutter company that you have in the Dallas area right now. I know that you live around Coach Houston Nutt, Tony Bua, a couple of other guys uh, that used to play for the Razorbacks. But before we get into your story, talk about that right now that you have going on with the gutter company. Oh, you know, we really go and we got an office in Houston and an office in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, I just kind of linked up with Tony. He does roofs and uh, I do gutters and – so we just kind of uh, – I do all his gutter work. He, he does roofs, and we just kind of shoot work back and forth. And, uh, of course, we advertise everywhere, and, and uh, you know, it's been a pretty good, pretty good pairing so far. So let's hope it just continues. 
And how long have you been doing that for? Uh, about two and a half, three years. Two and a half, three. So, yeah, I know Tony had gotten his started around the same time. So, I know that's definitely definitely really good business and, and advertising for you guys to partner up that, that way. But so you've been in Texas pretty much your entire life for the most part. You were born and raised in Weatherford, which I believe is just west of Fort Worth, if I remember correctly. I Being in San Antonio, I'm a little bit familiar geographically with the state. Uh, but what was it like growing up there? Were you, were you involved from, in sports from an early age? Did, did you spend a lot of time as a kid working? What, what was life growing up for you in Weatherford? Oh, I mean, we just uh... – just like any kid live, we just played a lot of sports, you know, went to a lot of rodeos, uh, played a lot of football, played a lot of baseball. I mean, it was a really more of a baseball town before it was a, any type of football town, you know. And so uh, we, we, we played a lot more baseball back then than football. Did you ever consider playing that in college or was it, was it always football once you realized that you were going to get to that point and be a Division One athlete? Yeah, most of the time at some point you just got to make a decision. And, 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 and I just loved football more than I like baseball. So that's kind of how I made that decision. And talking about your recruiting, what were some of the schools that looked at you besides Arkansas? Were they the, the biggest one, maybe the only SEC one? What were some other ones that you were getting interest or offers from? No, you know, I went up to Oklahoma several times. Uh, uh, went down to TCU, Texas Tech. Um, you know, I really went all over um, and and looked around everywhere. You know, I looked uh, – uh, I went down to LSU, and uh, I went down to a lot of other schools. I just love the Razorbacks. I like the atmosphere. I like uh, that you're not competing against a bunch of professional teams for, for notoriety or, or anything. The, the Razorbacks, man, when you play for them, it's it. You know, that whole state rallies behind that team. And so it just, just makes it a, a really special – uh, place to play when I had former we've, we've had a few former Houston nut players on we've actually had coach nut on as well for an interview but one of the questions I always like to ask there, there's no question that he is a very very big personality always has been still is to this day what was your first impression of him was it over the phone was it in person but just what what kind of uh what was it that really drew you to him and his staff we know what kind of motivator he is so talk about what your first impressions were of him well, I think everybody that Houston Nut hired was probably a player's coach. You know, they uh, they were exciting. They, you know, they got – they were very involved. Uh, you know, they uh, – you know, Coach Nutt and, and Danny Nutt and, and uh, Chris Vaughn and those guys, they would get together and play basketball games uh, against their players and typically uh, whoop them pretty good, you know. And so they, they were just very involved, you know. They wanted us to do things together and – and uh, and and they always wanted to be involved too, and that that's what was so cool is how how involved they were, uh, you know, off the field, you know, as well as on the field. And when you got to Arkansas, your freshman year was two thousand one, and the when you really made a name for yourself. Now you throughout your career, the ones that don't just pay attention to stats, they actually pay attention on the field. I mean, you were kind of like a Mike Allstott in the early two thousands in college football. You were the number one fullback at one point, which we'll get into that. But most of the stats from your freshman season came against the seven overtime thriller in Oxford, Mississippi against Ole Miss, which still to this day is tied for one of the longest games in college football history. What are, what are some things that you remember about that game? I know for myself, now I never made it past high school athletics, but really in any game, I, I don't remember many moments from the time the whistle blew to begin and to the whistle blown to the end. 
obviously with with a game of that that meant that much and that uh, that you guys were able to overcome again at that time the longest game in college football history. Just talk talk about your three touchdowns that you scored. Now Matt Jones and Cedric Cobbs both had, and I believe Fred Talley all had a hundred yards, but you led in rushing touchdowns. Talk about the atmosphere of that game and just what that meant for you guys. Well, anytime you're going down to Ole Miss to play against Eli Manning, you're going to be pretty hyped up for that game. You know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, when you're, you know, they say that uh, you know a lot of the a lot of us don't watch the TV or don't don't listen to some of the stuff that's going on. And I mean, when all they talk about all week is Eli Manning and how great he is and, and all that kind of stuff, it, you just, you go down there with a chip on your shoulder and, and our defense came to play, our offense came to play. And I mean, it's, uh, I, I just remember how loud it was, you know, they were, they were ready and we were ready and, uh, and it was a boxing match and we, we went all seven rounds and uh, we, we were lucky to come out on top. I think it was a great tackle by, by uh, I think it was Jermaine Petty, and and I mean we just we just did. It was just loud and rowdy. It's all loud and rowdy. Every yeah, stadium th- in the SEC is loud and rowdy. Yeah, and there was a there was a three week period during that time. So you guys started off beating number nine South Carolina ten to seven on the blocked field goal in Little Rock. Next week, you go to number 17 Auburn – or, I'm sorry, you played 17 Auburn at D.W. Reynolds, drilled them 42-17, to 17, and then went to Ole Miss. So, that was a pretty, I can imagine, an interesting uh, three weeks for you guys that really set the hype for the rest of the year. And I know that – well, we'll get into this here in a second about how in your sophomore year you were battling injuries with the shoulder injury, and there were some things that you were going through personally – would you say that for the most part, like during your freshman year when you got to Arkansas, were you focusing on more of the athletic side and your academics, or were there some stuff going on behind the scenes early? In- well, there's always stuff going on behind the scenes early. Uh, uh, but it really just started my sophomore year, you know, right after, uh, you know, right after my father died. It just uh, – it, it, it was uh, – just a real tough year and a, a tough couple of years, really. And uh, it was uh, – took my focus off of football a lot. And, uh, you know, so it was, a, it was a difficult time. You know, my dad and I were real close. And so after he passed away, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was rough without him. Would you say that that was kind of maybe the beginning of when it started to go downhill? I know you had just talked about the relationship with with you and your dad. And was he really one of those, outside of maybe your coaches and some other fatherly figures that you had in your life, was he really the main constant that had kept your head on straight for the No, I think so. Modern, he's my idol. He's who I looked up to. And, you know, he's, he was my, you know, he's my best friend. And he was a – he coached me growing up all, all the way up and, you know, and – uh so we just had that that type of relationship, and losing him just uh, you know just took took my focus away from football, made me realize you know that there were you know more important things in life, and, and I just think that I didn't know how to maybe move forward. It just of a long downhill slide, and and uh, that is a probably the toughest moments of my life right there. And prior to your junior year, I, um, like I'd said, I know that you had also gone through some struggles just from, you know, from, uh, I guess it was after, yeah, that, the 02 season um, that you had lost your father. 
and you went home for a little bit and you spent some time with your mom during that summer and you, and you said you came back a new man uh, prior to the start of the 03 season. Talk about that summer a little bit and just uh, what you had done when you went home just to clear your mind. Well, it felt good, you know. I mean, anytime you can get away from, um, you know, just the, the, the things going on in life, anytime you can take a step back and gain some perspective and, and uh, regroup, uh, you know, the college schedule and, the, and everything, it's, it's a grueling task. It's not easy on these college athletes for sure. You know, we, uh, you know, you go to school all day, you train all day, and there's just, there's not, a, there's not a lot of time for the other, other stuff in, in, in life that you need. So anytime to get, to be able to step away from the game and step away from all the uh, noise around you and clear your mind is always going to make you feel new and feel good um and so that's that's kind of where I, what i was talking about when i said that well and when you came back there was uh, you had also I, I from what i'd understand from reports that i had read around that time uh you still had been going to bars you had drank some and coach nutt ended up suspending you before the tulsa game and of the 03 season would you say that that was really, I guess, at that point? Um, yeah, obviously, it was it was a string of some of some bad luck that you had endured to begin at that point. Um, but was the conversation with him before you got the suspended before the Tulsa game? Did you feel that that was really uh, something that he just kind of was setting the standard that look, you had to in order to basically get your things right on the field, in the classroom, uh, that you were going to have to stop hanging around maybe some of the people that you were rolling around with at that time. Definitely, definitely. I mean, Houston did the right thing. He did exactly what he should have done. I mean, he was a, you know, like I said, he's a player, player's coach. And, uh, but uh, Houston, not, you know, he, he had to put his foot down somewhere and, and, and that's what he had to do. And so he ended up doing that. Would you say that that you got along with the coaching staff for the most part? I know that you had, again, battled some injuries and then you had had some suspensions. Would you say more so at that, at that particular time, uh, knowing what you know now, that you probably were a little out of line and, and they basically were just trying to uh, do what was best for you and, and show you that? Oh, no doubt. Man, those, that coaching staff was fabulous. I was recruited by James Shebus, and he was a he was an amazing recruit. Uh, uh, Danny Nutt was my position coach. Doesn't get any better than that, you know. Could have never had more fun anywhere than with that type of coaching staff, and 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 they gave a lot of opportunities. We're always there, Houston, uh, you know, and Danny and those guys. If they thought you were doing wrong or you you weren't, you know, walking the Razorback life like you should have been, they were going to tell you about it. You know, they didn't just sit back and, and, you know, they always tried to help. They were always there. Uh, they were fantastic coaches. I have nothing but praise to all of the coaches at Arkansas. They were fantastic. So at the end of your junior year, before the Independence Bowl, um, you ended up leaving the team. You, you declared for the NFL draft. There's a lot of different things that we've heard throughout the years. There's always going to be some outside noise, whether it's accurate or not. But was it more of a run-in with the coaching staff that they finally said, look, we've done about all that we can do for you? And there was also rumors of altercations at bars again. What was it that happened during that whole deal? Oh, there was an altercation at a, at a bar. Uh, um, and, uh, and Houston said, you know, 
that that was kind of the last last straw for them. So we just uh, had a meeting, and he said, "Man, just you know, you're a junior. You know, you're the number one pick in the country. Just go ahead and declare for the NFL draft, man, and and maybe you can get, you know, maybe they can help you there." What were some of the reports that you were getting? I, I know that you had gone undrafted, and uh, you, I think, I believe you got some tryouts. I'll let you talk about that. But was pretty much the reports that you were getting back, I would imagine that you, you didn't go undrafted because of lack of talent. You clearly were on plenty of people's radars being the number one fullback. But the feedback that you had gotten, was that pretty much why it resulted that way is just because of the things that were going on off the field? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. And rightfully so. You know, they were right. Uh, you know, I was partying in college and just, uh, you know, I just partied and had a great time. Loved the Razorbacks, loved their fans, loved to play football hard, party hard and and uh, and, and all that good stuff. And, and, and I did that. And, and they everything they did was right from top to bottom, whether it be the way the NFL handled handled it or the way college football handled it they did it they handled it right you know I was a knucklehead plain and simple and uh so well would you uh did what did you the teams did they have you come in I know that you had gotten a tryout with the Dallas Desperados a little bit maybe a year or so after that what were some of the NFL teams that had talked to you heavily and maybe even gave you a tryout too well, I tried out for a couple of different Canadian teams. I actually had signed a, a five-year contract with the uh, uh, Ottawa Renegades in, in Canada and uh, got on a plane, uh, you know, flew up there, and uh, uh, they, they discontinued the franchise and, 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 and sold, they sold the team, and, and there was no Calgary – there was no uh, Ottawa Renegades anymore. So – uh, you know, had some opportunities, made some teams, played for the Oklahoma City Yard Dogs. Uh, you know, was with the uh, Dallas Desperados, and and uh, it just it just never worked out. It just wasn't, you know, all that stuff is fate and timing and all kinds of stuff, and it it just wasn't in the cards for me. Right after your football career, that was when things started to really take a downward trend for you, and uh, you had gotten arrested. For methamphetamines and was that something that you had started messing with when you were even at Arkansas was it was it post Arkansas career when you were kind of floating around some some football teams when did all that really begin yeah. to be a part of your life yeah it was post Arkansas career it just you know just uh floating here to there uh you know just being in the wrong circles and 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 just not uh, just, just let myself go. And when you had first gotten arrested, I, I know it was December of 2008. That was really when the bad events began. And, and um, that was your first conviction and you got your first prison sentence. What, what happened uh, during the arrest? Like when, when, when exactly was it? And then, um, yeah, I mean, basically what were just some of the details? Yeah. I mean, it was over Christmas. Uh, you know, I came home for the holidays to spend some time with family. Uh, I had a wife and kid in Mississippi. My son came with me. Uh, you know, my uh, my brother flew down from uh, uh, Hawaii where he was stationed. And we, uh, you know, we just went and we were going to play a round of golf. My brother got sick. And, 
uh, he had been battling like a flu-like symptoms, and he just got sick. So his wife came and got him. Uh, he had actually drove me in my mom's car to a golf course that we're, we were members of, and we were just playing golf. Uh, had about five beers over, a, I don't know, maybe a eight-hour period, six-hour period. We just, uh, you know, hung out, played a played a nice round of golf. He got sick after nine, went home, so it was just my uncle and I. And, uh, you know, ended up getting in a car, driving home and getting in a car accident and that uh, killed a 43-year-old doctor. And and, uh, and so I spent uh, about 10 years in prison at the, uh, at the George Beto unit. And that's where I said I better change my life. And uh, so, you know, I went in there and, and, and began to change, got a degree from Texas A&M uh a business degree and started my own company and here i am we'll backtrack a little bit so you had said that when you had played that round of golf and gone out and driven uh, under the influence did you you were on probation at that time so you were out on, on parole basically at, at the time when this happened i had been on uh, out for on that for about four years yes sir Gotcha. And uh, so you had mentioned that um, the, the, the gentleman that you had killed, a 43-year-old doctor, and uh, that had had a lot of this bad, bad way to put it, the, gen- the gentleman that had passed um, from the result of the wreck, did you automatically know that, that it had happened? Like right whenever everything happened, were you coherent enough to the fact that you just, you realized uh, what you had done at that point? No, I don't think so. No, it's, it's uh, kind of a blur. It's all just kind of a blur, to be honest with you. And there was also some things, some reports that uh, that I had seen that um, that you had basically stolen your mom's car and gone out and driven. Is are those reports accurate, or basically no? Just- those, okay. yeah, those is those were not accurate. No. And so you went into the, the Beto unit um, and then that was when you really decided, I know that you had said that you got your degree in there and now you own your own business as we talked about at the very beginning. Was it when you got your sentencing out? And I had also seen the, the details of basically you were just admitting guilt. Um, you know, that you knew that you had made a mistake and, and that you were going to have to pay a hefty debt to society. Whenever you went in, was that really from that day forward when you first got in there, you, you had to make a decision that you were going to change your life? Is that when you decided at that point that you were going to work on getting your college degree, that you were going to better yourself, and you were eventually going to be a great member of society once you got out? Oh, yeah. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of work. And, and uh, I, I made that decision. Uh, Started out at Trinity Valley, Trinity Valley Community College there in uh, Palestine and uh, got my associate's degree, immediately left and went to the, uh, uh, went to the Gatesville unit and uh, started attending Texas A&M and um, I was able to get a bachelor's degree in business and, uh, you know, I wrote a business plan early on and I just stuck to that, you know, uh, and uh, so uh, you know, that's kind of, that was the, that was the start of the, the, the rebuild of, uh, of my life. You know, I, uh, you know, I tore it all down from the top to the bottom somehow. And then I, now, now I'm rebuilding it. 
And so what was a typical day like there? I know that sometimes and some depending on the prison that you'll get maybe an hour of rec time or TV. What was it like for you there pretty much from the time you woke up until you went to bed? That's a lot of steel. There's nothing in there but steel tables, steel benches, steel bars. Uh, you know, uh, we get to come out for school. Uh, you know, if you could afford it or, or, you know, that type of thing. I, I paid for, you know, my school while I was in there. And, uh, yeah, you get a, maybe an hour or two a wreck a day if you're, if you're lucky. If not, you just work, you know, I just worked out every day. I worked out my mind and my body and uh, just tried to stay vigilant in what I wanted to do, keep, keep focused and, and uh, amongst all the chaos. Uh, that comes along with with prison there's a lot of chaos so I uh, you know I just try to stay focused and 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 look at what was ahead of me look look at the good that 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 I can do and 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 stop looking at the past so that's that's kind of where I what I did did you have any of your former teammates or coaches reach out to you at the time that you were in uh, I had a lot of high school teachers, coaches uh, 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 reach out to me. Uh, people that I've been friends with for a long time or that have watched me uh, grow up. Uh, so a lot of people, I, I don't know that there was ever a week that I was in prison that somebody wasn't there to uh, visit me. You know, and, and um, so that's friends, family, you know, all the way up. And so uh, they supported me no matter what. And I, I am definitely, I feel the love there. Have you talked with the family of the gentleman that lost his life? Um, and, and as a result of the accident, have you spoken with them? Have you any letters, phone calls, even face to face? Uh, we spoke through an attorney. Uh, obviously I am not allowed to contact them in any type of way. They would have to reach out and contact me and they, they, they did reach out and contact me and say, Hey, you know, we're, you did your time. You're, this is your sentence. Uh, you know, we don't hold any grudges, you know, that type of thing. So, um, you know, did my time, uh, I actually, uh, you know, uh, so they, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, that's all they can do is reach out and try to, try to talk to me if they initiate that contact and then I can also, uh, you know, talk with them. But until then I, I just can't. And describe what it was like after you, I think you said you had served, uh, or you told me, I know, um, off when we were off air that you had served nine and a half years around the nine and a half year, 10 year mark. Whenever you found out that you were going to be getting out, you knew, and you had worked so hard to get your degree and to really just ponder every single day how you were going to change your life, what was the feeling? Like just, I, I can imagine it was unlike anyone you've ever felt, and you knew that you were going to be back in the free world. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, heck, I cried like a baby. I, I knew I was coming home, and you know, I knew there was going to be there was, it was going to be here for me. You know, I, my family was here. My friends were here. They all uh, embraced me with open arms and, and they always have. And just getting out and I, I knew exactly, you know, what I wanted to do and, and where I wanted to go and how I wanted to get there. And, 
you know, so I just surrounded myself with, with, with the family that stayed with me and, and friends and, uh, you know, just started building this company. Uh, but it was a, it was a wonderful day when you walk out of, uh, of the Texas prison system and, and, and come home. When you came home and, and you were getting your ducks in a row, trying to get your, your fresh life together, was, th- was that the, one of the first things that you did was really lay out a plan? I know that you had said you had come up with a business plan and everything, but was that something that you immediately did was got your gutter company together, or at least got the, the foundation of it set? I did. I did. Uh, you know, I, uh, when I first got out, I, I, I mean, within three weeks, uh, I, I got out on the 26th of July. On August 22nd, we kicked off the uh, On the Mark Home Services. Uh, it's my sister and I. We bought a, a gutter trailer and a, and a, and a gutter machine and, and uh, uh, got, my, got my first crew together and, and uh, started advertising. And, 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 and you know, we, did, we were very, very sick. Took a few months, but we, we, you know, we got it going pretty good. And then um, um, I essentially bought the company myself and, uh, and, the, and the sole owner of it now. And uh, um, we just do tremendous. We're in Houston. We're in Fort Worth, Dallas. We're in San Antonio. I mean, we're everywhere now. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful feeling. God has blessed me. I'm, 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 I'm very thankful for uh, so many people and, and definitely to the University of Arkansas and to the coaching staff and, and just Razorbacks in general. I, I don't, I don't know if you know, but that there's hundreds of Razorback fans that have written me through the years. So that's, that's fantastic. I mean, they are, you know, just, just offering support and help. And, you know, it's just, that's a wonderful feeling. That's who the Razorbacks are. We'll backtrack a little bit to your football career. We talked about you were the number one fullback in the country. Um, just it had helped many of the players that are still on the top 10 for rushing yards in their career. You helped them get to a thousand yard seasons and, and be su- successful to the point that they were. But when you think about those things that were going on off the field for you, not just maybe participating with drugs and alcohol, but the things that were affecting you psychologically with, with the loss of your father, among all, everything that was going on, what kind of player do you think that you would have been? Now, and again, you were a great football player regardless of what was going on, but what kind of player do you think you could have been had you just focused on football and, and your schoolwork and, and not just some of the things that you had endured? Oh, I'd like to think that I could have been pretty good. You know, even even with all the uh, – I mean, I was the best fullback in the country on drugs and alcohol and everything else. Just imagine if I'd have been and a shoulder. shoulder and, yeah, yeah, shoulder injury, shoulder surgery, uh, and still going. So if I, if I wouldn't have been doing all the stupid stuff, I would have just – I would have done that and I would have had the money to go along with it. And you were, again, we've, we talked about the Ole Miss game. Uh, you, you guys went down to Austin and beat Texas, which that was the first game of your 2003 season. All these different, the, the South Carolina game, advancing to the SEC championship, the miracle on Markham. 
you were a part of teams that had some great historical moments in Razorback history. But if you just had to pick out of all of the things that happened, maybe something that I didn't even mention, what was your best time in a Razorback uniform? Oh, the honest truth is uh, out of all those games, you know, my favorite game was, I kind of liked that we came down to Texas in 2003 and whooped their ass. <laughs> I can certainly appreciate that one. And, and, and you being a te- – I know that there was a lot of Texas guys on the – Houston Nutt did a great job recruiting that state. Now, he didn't always get the four- and five-star guys, but he got the ones that he could make into four- and five-star talent, which you were one of those. And I know that that definitely meant a lot. And going down there in the fashion that you guys did um, against a really solid – of course, that was right before the Vince Young days, even then at that time – Texas was a really freshman. good – I want to say they were number six in the country. I know they were top ten. They were. They were number six. And we you guys them. had a really solid squad that year. And I know that, we, I've, I know that uh, we've mentioned Tony Bua, which we'll get into he, he and your relationship here in just a sec. But the, he had talked about it. I've heard him in the past few months on a few radio shows and podcasts. And he does not seem to like the refs from the Florida and Auburn games. I'm sure that you can uh, probably attest to that. <laughs> He did not, you know. Tony, he likes to. He's a heated hitter, and if you're and if you're a defensive guy, you 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 don't really like the refs ever. And uh, you know, I mean, he uh he got a bad penalty called on him during the Florida game, man, and it, it uh it gave him a first down, and and so he does not like the the refs in Florida. <laughs> and, and- Elaborate a little bit more on, on you and Tony's relationship. I know that when you and I had been talking on the phone when we were prior to recording this, uh, you had talked about what he meant to you and what kind of not just teammate he was, but a friend that he's been to you during the times that you were enduring all those hardships and even to this day that you guys, in a way, are business partners. Oh, yeah, man. Tony, Tony's been great. He's obviously my mentor. And, uh, you know, I look up to him a lot. He's, he's a, he's a fantastic friend. Uh, his, his wife's been, been fantastic. You know, I've, uh, stayed at his house many of nights and, uh, working down in Dallas when I'm, when I'm on the road, I've stayed in his camper, you know, we, uh, he's just a phenomenal person. Uh, you know, two beautiful little boys, um, and I just love him to death. And, and just, you know, he, he owns a roofing company. I own a gutter company. And, and, and when he does roofs, he just calls me and, 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 and make sure that I'm doing all the gutters, man. And it's just, uh, I mean, Razorbacks take care of each other. And so that's, you know, and, and, and so he's, he's been a great friend on and off the field and, and in a lot of different ways. So I know you and him and Coach Nutt, you guys all live in the same area around Dallas. I know that Coach Nutt's in the McKinney area. I believe that Tony's around there too. How often do you guys get together just and, and you know, shoot the bull, talk about old times. You talk about that, that Razorback relationship, and it definitely runs deep. You see it with so many different Coach Nutt players. How often do you guys get together and just, and just talk about the old times and just continue the friendships that you still have today? Oh, I mean, we, we – we definitely get together. You got Ken Hamlin, those guys. I, I have a house in Houston. And so, uh, you know, Ken's a cigar lounge guy. And, and uh, so he's uh, – we just keep that relationship. And, and, and we, we're, we're all on Facebook together. We, 
we uh, we definitely have grilled steaks with me and Houston and Shane Collins and and Tony and some of the guys and ate dinner together and you know I've been to Houston's house and uh, worked on Tony's house and just been we just do a lot of things uh, to try to keep the relationship going and and you know we uh, they're they're always going to be great friends more more than anything just wonderful friends and family as we close up here i got a couple more questions for you one i wanted to see your style of play uh the way that you played fullback and the way that they still played it back in those days the mike allstott type where you could run the ball but also too you just look for somebody to knock out every single play you as a true fullback one of the last true fullbacks that we saw in the game would you rather have a big pancake block that just knocks a linebacker out of their cleats that the running back, like the halfback, might bust an 80-yard run, or would you yourself bust an, rather bust an 80-yard run? Out of those two, what would you choose? Man, I, I used to love to watch Fred Talley break those 80-yarders, Matt Jones break those 80-yarders. And, and uh, so I'd rather block somebody and watch the back of his jersey running down the field for a touchdown myself. I figured that would be your response. <laughs> well, uh, Mark, again, man, it's, um, you know, we've heard your story and a lot of great positive things to come out of this. You know, you don't, you own your own company now, a, a great uplifting story for anybody, whether you're going through something or not, um, just something great to hear about. But after all that you've been through from the loss of your father to um, spending time in prison, just all of the hardships that you've gone through that led you up to the point in your life right now, what would you say to somebody that's going through tough times, whether and no matter what the scale may be, it might be on a low scale, high, what would your advice be to them? Um, to just basically whether they're in legal trouble, no matter what it is, to just keep pushing forward and that you have to keep going. Yeah, you got to keep pushing forward, but I would surround myself with good people. If you surround yourself by good people, uh, good things are going to happen to you. And if you su surround yourself by by people that aren't doing right or that are, you know, uh, things aren't going to go right for you. Uh, so so I would say more than anything, surround yourself by good people and and and, and go from there, man. Uh, get you a good network of uh, friends and family and people you can count on and they can count on you and, and uh, just put your head down and grind it out. Well, it was uh, great talking with you, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, whenever we had talked to initially, I knew that uh, it was always it was going to be good to, to hear some of your experience as a Razorback, but also, too, more than anything, uh, that you've turned your life around and that you've got great stories to tell now. And so, man, again, I really appreciate the time and, and wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.